it's a very fluid situation it can change we've had things before where a number has changed during the show the key has changed of a number yeah. during the show and all you get is dave going it's in a different key now so read it up a tone or read it down a fourth or wow. whatever and wow does that fill you with make you go ah or are you kind of quite comfortable no everybody get. i think everybody's like oh no <laughs> things can just change like the singers can change a key or something randomly and it just or, or a number can change completely nobody's ever going to go oh no we can't because that's just not the way that world works it's, it's got to be yes we can <laughs> okay <laughs> hello welcome back to the keys coach podcast my name's adam and this is the podcast where i sit down with piano keys and synth players and talk about their life in music thanks so much for clicking on this episode today we have a really special guest we're chatting with the amazing adam dennis he's a fantastic piano and keys player arranger composer he does everything i hadn't caught up with him for a good few years so it was really nice to chat with him and hear about all of the amazing projects he's been getting up to in this episode, we chat about why it's so important to be versatile and flexible as a keys player, particularly when working on live TV projects. We talk about his live setup and how he approaches sound design. We talk about the strategies he uses to get back in shape on the keys if he's got a live gig coming up. And we also find out what advice he would give anyone looking to enter the session world. Before we dive in, if you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget you can go and follow us over on Instagram at The Keys Coach. And I haven't actually spoken about this on the podcast, but I played piano for the Amazon Christmas advert. It seems to be all over the TV at the moment, and it's a cover of the Beatles song In My Life. I've done a little clip of me playing that over on Instagram, so you can go and check that out over there, along with a bunch of other tutorials that I've uploaded. In January, we're also ramping up our video production, so do look out for more piano tutorials and lessons over on YouTube. We have so many exciting plans for 2024. Lots of content coming your way. Okay, let's dive into it. Here is the conversation I had with Keys player, Adam Dennis. Cool, Adam, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. You're welcome, mate. It's um, so great to have you with us. Um, it's been a little while, isn't it, since we last saw each other? It's been ages, mate. Yeah, it's got to be, what, 2018, 2019? Yeah. It's festival, we... wasn't it, with Pete and... Katie and yeah we we did for for everyone listening we did this big amazing project so well actually Adam you explain what it is because it's so it's so personal to you that project yeah well it was um it started with my dad um Carl Dennis who's sadly no longer with us but he um when I was a student at the Guildhall um I got to meet the amazing Pete Churchill and um he was doing Babel at the time and my dad was running like all the music education in a in uh in Eston and uh, for the Tees Valley Education Trust. So he wanted to do something with, with kids and singing. And uh, it just, obviously, there's no better person than Pete to yeah, sort of inspire 100%. kids to do something different that wasn't the norm, like not the normal sort of choir. I mean, that's lovely, all the school oh, yeah. choir singing and doing the usual stuff. But my dad was a, was a jazz drummer so he, he and a commercial drummer. So he came from when he heard some of the Babel stuff and what Pete was doing, he was like, we need to bit of this so that was sort of 2004 to 2006 we did that and then um the schools trust got in touch with me oh god it's got to be 10 years ago now time is flying by yeah. but to say that they'd like to do something again and as again i said well we need to get pete back involved and pete was a, a friend of my dad's and everything so it's been a project me and pete really enjoyed doing together we wrote a couple of new songs for it and you were amazing adam teaching mm -hmm. all the kids and coming up and getting our early morning King's it was Cross so fun, wasn't it? Hour up and down in a day, but it was brilliant. So hopefully, um, there's more of that. But we ended up doing 
over was it over a year or something like that we, we were going up, up yeah. north every couple of months training the kids <clears throat> peter come up and do workshops with the teachers and basically long story short culminated in an amazing concert at the festival hall with now a thousand kids and we got a pro band in got all the session yeah, like guys all the strictly in. strictly come dancing band which the kids loved yeah well, yeah so it was it was fabulous it was absolutely brilliant so it was fun. those this, projects this, are so good aren't they they're like so I think for the kids, it's not only just having a really great musical experience, but it's just the fact that you're like singing to that audience in that massive space and it sounds great and it's energetic and it's vibey and it's, you it know, does, they it were so good. Amazing. Like, people can't believe that the kids are the age they are because, I mean, you guys are made, you're fantastic educators. Like you bring so much out of the um, out of the kids that you wouldn't believe they're only sort of nine and ten and know, they're singing all this groove music point. perfectly in time and they're getting all the phrasing right and everything yeah. it's all but nobody's head down in a lyric sheet everybody's got it in internalized mm. and they're moving with the beats and it's fabulous yeah. and it's there should be more of that you know what i mean and I yeah think... it sounds exciting i'm i'm always up for it an early morning call up to a yeah where was it we used to go at darlington wasn't it that was it darlington was yeah, yeah 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 no it's great i thoroughly enjoyed that project so do, do you go back up quite a lot not as much as I should, really. Yeah, I've still got family up there, but yeah, I'm firmly rooted down here now. So all my uh, all my work is here. So I'm based on my little room in the garden most of the time. Nice. All sort of studio based stuff. So yeah, but I need to I need to get up more. If not just for the uh, the good food up there, it's great. <laughs> yeah, your mum does a good roast dinner, right? That's what I've heard. She does cracking roast dinner, mates. It's banging. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you're a, a keys player. Well, actually, how do you describe yourself? Do you describe yourself as a keys player or a piano player or a bit of both? Bit of both, yeah. I mean, I recently was piano at Guildhall, did the jazz degree there, the four-year undergrad. And then, um, yeah, I've always been into sort of commercial music, though. So I've always enjoyed the sort of... Uh, the, the entertainment side of it. So obviously it comes with that. It's not always just playing piano. It's like a lot of the time you've got to find sounds and you've got to, you know, especially if you work with pop acts and things like that, you've got to, you've got to cover certain things. So I've always been interested in the, the gear side of it as well, like the synths yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, piano fundamentally was the instrument that I was, and obviously still am a piano player, I do lots of sessions on piano and, and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of the stuff you tend to find as well, it's not just it's not just piano. So you might be given a load of stuff like obviously if you're doing keys on a lot of things, a lot of time you're beefing up strings or you you're playing strings, or you're playing Hammond, or you're playing Rhodes or or some or any anything, you know, I've had all sorts of random sounds you've got to find for things like sample things and especially in TV shows and things like that, you've got to have, you've got to basically have a whole studio rig at your disposal for whatever's thrown at you. So yeah, I guess the fundamental just sitting down and turning up and just playing on a piano sound doesn't really exist. Even a lot of piano chairs, like on um, Western shows and things like that, they're not. A lot of the time, you'll be covering strings or you'll be covering fart noises, anything, anything that is required <laughs> of the uh, of the show. I've had that before on a on a gig. Yeah, so it's yeah anything that that is needed, you sort of uh, yeah program it to a key and play it. Did you did you always have that? in a kind of interest in how in creating sounds was that right from the beginning or was that something you kind of developed later on when you'd already kind of got started i've always yeah i mean i've always sort of enjoyed if if there's a sound needed trying to either match it to the record as best you can or or if it's just a, a random string sound or something trying to make it not sound really naff like you know what i mean like just kind of yeah layering up a few things to make it sound bigger or better or um i guess i always approach sounds like i would in the studio you know what i mean if, I, if i'm doing a, a midi demo of a track or if I'm, I'm putting strings on a track or something or 
I'd always try and find the best sound. Like I won't just go to strings one and put it on and just sort of use that. I'll always try and layer it up and make it sound real and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I guess I, I replicate that sort of thing that I do in the studio on a live live performance, you know what I mean? And try and just try and give whoever's mixing it the best shot at making it sound right as as you can, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you doing a lot of that stuff on the board or are you kind of doing that stuff more through like main stage or something like that? Mixture, really. I tend to sort of, um, are we on about like a live setting, like in a, in a live Yeah, context? I guess so. I mean, yeah. I guess it varies, doesn't it? It like depends whether you're in the studio or you're, 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 you're live. I guess each one kind of has its different approach. Yeah, I mean, studio, I, ton, I have all the usual sample. I'll sit by stuff and all that kind of stuff and tons of libraries. So that'll, that'll come from a vast array of, of sort of, absolutely multiple choices of strings and all that kind of stuff but i guess in a live setting you haven't got i i, I run main stage a lot on things but i also use a mix it with a bit of the on the board stuff because it's just um yeah so i'll blend so it's main stage samples from doing strings i'll or i'll i'll have some uh mixture of top and bottom board strings and blend them so they're not it doesn't all sound like it's not all for the same sound because i tend to find if you're doing that with with things especially with strings you can start to sound like an organ just layered and layered you get the phasing in it all gets a bit it just sounds shit so yeah if you take a few different libraries and i do that with i mean a lot of the time now in studio context if you if there's only a budget for a small string section you you can beef it up with with some samples now but i won't just use one sample library i'll use a mixture of four or five you might have the first violins from two different ones mixed together and then you start to get a bit more of a of a sound you know what i mean and same with things like hammonds and all that kind of stuff i mean just like i tend to i use a kurzweil as a top board which has the draw bars on so you can play it like a right. real hammond yeah just gear wise i mean that's a whole minefield of stuff isn't it? you could have there's so much choice now but yeah my live setup for for things like tv shows and is uh kurzweil on the top and i use a chronos on the bottom and i use a main stage rig as well which is connected to various sample drives and so you can pretty much get what you need played in, plumbed in pretty fast. Like, yeah, it's 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 quick, isn't it? It can be, yeah. It sounds like you've got all of that stuff. You're very much on top of the tech. Was and that's it's interesting doing these conversations because different piano players and keys players say they find that maybe the tech side of it slightly more stressful than the actual the actual actual playing. Do you know what I mean? Just yeah. getting the right sounds and making sure you've got all the right gear and that you've you've all the programming's done correctly and is it all going to work? And is that something you've kind of just got used to? Yeah, because I've, I've done a lot of the uh, like a lot of um, keys two things where it might be a TV show where you're on second keys and you've got you're covering all the bells and whistles basically. So. Um, I sort of learned from Jeff Leach, who's a master of all that. He's yeah. a good, really good mate of mine. But Jeff, um, we've worked together loads, and he does all the he does that chair and strictly the keys to chair, which basically does all the clicks and all the noises and all that kind of stuff. So I've, me and Jeff are proper gearheads, and we'll, we'll right. sort of exchange. Yeah, be text like, "Have you got that library? This library just come out. Have you got that library?" And like, it's um, yeah, it's fun, but it is good. I mean, this I mean this. You get to the point where you go, I need to stop now. I've got so many string libraries. I've got so many Paco libraries. I've got all these things and so many subscriptions to all the East West stuff and things. And there's new stuff coming out all the time. It's like, but it is good. I think it's good. And it's good to keep on top of sounds and things rather than just turning up with a keyboard and going, I've got a piano and I've got an electric piano. Do you need anything else? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
it's good to get it it's good to be really on top of that stuff but don't get me wrong it is lovely when you turn up to a gig and there's just a grand piano there and that's all you're playing and it's lovely yeah. it's really nice it's like i can just concentrate on playing the piano now. i don't have to worry about patch changes and volumes of that patch and yeah leveling it out and splitting one and playing one noise and one and playing the other and all this kind of stuff and yeah yeah have you haven't you haven't got the new uh you haven't got the new nord stage four have you I haven't. It looks amazing, though. It yeah. does look amazing. Sorry, this isn't an advert for Nord, and we're not. We aren't. We aren't sponsored by Nord yet. But um, the yeah. But I mean, there's there's amazing stuff like some really incredible tech coming out in that. I was watching a video about it the other day. We're actually buying one at work, but um, you can actually have it now where the top note of your voicing, you can assign it a different, a different sound. Oh, cool. Which is so it means you can kind of it means you can be playing and like your accompaniments in one sound, but gone are the days where you like have to you know find the point where you want your keyboard to split. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and try and yeah. voice everything like that in awkward yeah. keys and stuff. Now it will just track where the top note is and use that additional sound. So it just, I mean, I just think it's so interesting where it's going, like and how tech's developing and all of that kind of stuff. And I mean, I think it hasn't cre crept into, um, I don't think yet, like AI. But surely coming down the line, there's a point where a keyboard will learn how you normally play and then respond to it. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. It, will, it will be at, you yeah. know, there's all those kinds of things coming down the line, I think, which is, which is really, um, really exciting. No, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, we're in a massive time of something new comes out every day, doesn't it? So it's just, it's just like 100%. insane. It's great though. Exciting. Do you remember how you um, first got into the piano? Was it, did you, what kind of route did you did you kind of get into music through was it did you do the whole like classical piano thing were you more learning by ear what was your kind of route i started my dad was a musician so I, I was always surrounded by it from being being a kid you know what i mean i um i actually started on the drums when i was six something like that so i played the drums for uh and then i start i played the trumpet first which i started when i was about seven or eight right and it kept the piano well, piano quite late like 10 and i was self-taught yeah till yeah. i was um but I could read music, so I, I sort of learned that way. I, I could actually read stuff. I was always into commercial stuff, so I'd play jazz stuff, and I got into Bill Evans, and that was the went totally down the jazz route. For a, and then started getting some lessons when I was about fifteen with Jason Rabello oh, and, wow. and Steve Lauder, um, and then went yeah went to Guildhall and did yeah did it full full out for four years, which was which was great. Yeah, gives you sort of a good grounding of that, obviously harmony and you've met some great people and yeah all that kind of stuff but I, yeah I, I, after that um i went sort of started doing some when i was a girl i started doing some western show depths and all that kind of stuff and yeah quite enjoyed that world of being in the pit and playing mm. for being with the, all the the camaraderie that goes on with all that sort of stuff that was brilliant it was really good and sort of tick that commercial box which i like and then yeah yeah does the reading thing quite come quite natural to you is it something that you've ever struggled with or is it just is because you were able i presume you learned to read music when you're really early through the trumpet for or maybe or through one of that yeah yeah yes yeah. so i learned yeah and drum music yeah so no i've, I've always done the reading thing yeah always, and i'm glad i did because i mean there's nothing wrong with not doing it but i think um you know it's certainly as a session musician you couldn't get away without being a strong reader because you never know what's going to get put in front of you, you know what I mean? On, on something like a Royal Variety show or something like that, you could have anything put in front of you. So if the reading's a bit under par, you, you kind of, you want to be sharp on it. 
I'd yeah, say. of course you want to have all those things. It's, uh, that's really good because you've obviously you've obviously got both sides to it. Then your reading's really strong, but then you've also got the oral side of it as well, which not everyone has. You know, it's it's really really interesting. Yeah, my dad was pretty good at sort of never never pushing it, but like I always saying, like learning to read is quite a good. It stands you in good stead. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with not, and there's so many amazing players that don't read, and it, it's it brings a different thing. They bring a different feel to things, and I think it's a nice balance. Like I, I, if if I was doing a, a more poppy gig, I don't want to be head head down in the parts. You know what mm. I mean? I, you can kind of have a quick read and know what's needed, but then lose the dots for for certain gigs, and then obviously juxtapose that with a West End show where you've got to have the dots because it's got to be the same every night. So you've got to play what's in front of you. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm glad I've got both disciplines. Like I could easily turn up and busk, do a busking gig like we all do, or or you know turn up and yeah, read read through a show or whatever. It's kind of just keeps you keeps you on your toes and obviously a lot of my work i do now is writing and arranging so obviously reading is being able to read helps you understand what you need to put on the page for other people you know what i mean to play 100 let's focus yeah. on some of these things you mentioned because i know you i know you've done like a huge amount of work in tv um and i think that whole world can sometimes be quite mysterious how that all works obviously everyone at home just sees the finished tv show when it goes out on you know sees the final thing on a saturday night at 7 p.m or whatever it is yeah but they don't see kind of all of the process that leads up to something like that so you mentioned something like the royal variety show and i know you've done yeah. that you've done that a few times haven't you as a, as a yeah player. quite yeah. a few years yeah, from the bands, yeah so can you just kind of give like for everyone listening an overview of how the royal variety performance ends up being on stage from like a musical side how does it how does it work what's the rehearsal process like how long do the band get to rehearse what is the kind of how does it work it's surprisingly quick turnaround i mean that's all dave arch is the md of that and he's amazing so he does all the dots and normally like it's a three-day process so the band will turn up i think well last year what the band turned up on a tuesday don't did we even do that yeah the band turned up you might get two days of sort of running you get to run everything once with all the acts so you, and then you get a dress rehearsal on the day and then you film it on the night so it's it's a really really fast wow. process it's not um you don't get weeks of rehearsal um it's literally done pretty much there's one run through with everybody to check check the routines and everything and that's i mean dave dave will get a, a sort of an audio if somebody wants music doing, he'll get a track to transcribe and he'll do, he'll do other parts for the lineup because obviously it's a, I can't remember, it's about a 20 piece band. Um, so we have strings and brass and all that kind of stuff and uh, two keys and rhythm section, guitar, bass, drums and perk. So like there'll be, Dave will do all the charts, which are always amazing. And then, yeah, we go and read it, sort some sounds out and then do it. Do, do you have an idea of what the songs are before you arrive or do you literally just turn up and not sure what you're going to play? How does that, because obviously there's a bit of programming involved, particularly if you're keys yeah, too. Sometimes if it's, a, if it's really specific, you might get something sent before to say, can you, can you sample this or can you, um, can you uh, assign this to some keys or something like that? If it's, if it's a certain sound or something, somebody's after. But I mean, it can, it, it's a very fluid situation. It can change. We've had things before where the, and a number has changed like during the show, the key has changed of a number yeah. during the show. And all you get is Dave going, it's in a different key now. So read it up a tone or read it down a fourth or wow. whatever. And um, Sorry, just to, just to confirm that's read the music and play it a tone up yeah. or a fourth down. Yeah. 
Wow. Is that something that are you kind of, does that fill you with, make you go, ah, or are you kind of quite comfortable? No, everybody gets, I think everybody's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that was a pop thing that we did. And it was, um, I can't remember it worked, but it was, they'd done the, there was sort of, things can just change. Like the singers can change a key or something randomly and it just, or, or a number can change completely. And you get, I mean, Dave's an insanely fast at turning around arrangements. So, He's had to turn around things in, in an hour or so wow. before the show and put new parts up and all this kind of stuff. So it's just because that's, that's the nature of it. It's all people's – because it doesn't have a long yeah. rehearsal process. So people don't have that advantage like you would have in a West End show of watching it all evolve over eight weeks or whatever and go, actually, that number now needs a bit more music now or that needs a bit more music. It's a great team that have just managed to pull it together in two or three days and go – actually that bit of music we've got there now doesn't work. Can we change it? And yeah. nobody's ever going to go, oh, no, we can't, because that's just not the way that world works. It's, it's got to be, yes, we can. <laughs> okay, yeah. Can I ask a really practical question? It's like, if, if someone's changing an arrangement on the day, like, are you reading paper charts or is it all on iPad now? How does that work? Paper charts, yeah. I mean, the, um, yeah. So there's always a copyist there. Dave Haig is always there. He's a great copyist. He's always there. So the, the, his printing right. goes on overtime those few days yeah and you've got to make, and presumably everyone's got to make sure they've got the right version in front of them i know this sounds super like uh, like practical no, and logistical yeah, but like i know what it's like yeah, when the, you're just trying to get all this stuff together it can be a bit chaotic yeah right? and there'll always be a running order with version two or version three or whatever and you've got the the dots will always be labeled up with the with the version two or whatever at the top so you're not just got the like five versions of the same title yeah. without any clues or and a lot of the time you get higher and lower keys for things. So you might start from the get-go with two keys because the singer might go, I might try in this key, but I might do it in that key. And I mean, things can change on the fly massively, you know, with, with a lot of commercial music, especially you're dealing with certain artists. And and I think the thing you've, I've learned over time is you've got to be very amenable to that. You can't go, oh, but I've done I've done what I was asked. I'm not, not doing any more yeah. or because that's not conducive to working very very well with with other people 100%. that need you to do what you've asked you know there was one recently that um a, a broadcast i did and that the, the artist changed the whole set it was a full orchestral thing but they changed the whole set two days before the actual recording right wow. so i get a panic call going um they've changed their set so they're only so that at that point this i think it was a tuesday and we were recording on the friday we only had one orchestral arrangement and we needed four so it was a case of just okay send me the new tracks i'll stay up and just get them written and so by the thursday morning they're all done yeah but that's just that's i mean it's a that's it these are extreme examples of yeah how it is but it just expect the unexpected i think with all that world because it's just you know you're there to do a job and you're getting paid to do a job so you kind of go okay well what do you need yeah nobody particularly wants you to go oh no i mean there's always examples where you can tell if you're having the mic taken out of you, but if it's if it's for legit TV or mm. radio, then you know it's just these things change and the fluid situations and artists change and for whatever reason they decide to change what they're doing, you got to go with it. Yeah, absolutely. Are a lot of those um, shows, to, a lot of those kind of live shows, TV shows, a lot of those done to click, um, do you tend to find? Uh, mix, really. I mean, yeah, a lot, lot of them are because the... Um, purely because of things like uh time code, things that would be sent out to if you want the lights and the music to or a video to all line up yeah. exactly on a hit or something like that then um you'll tend to 
time code will like will link up with the sound and the lighting and all that kind of stuff and any click will be all time coded so it all works works well so people yeah. aren't guessing where the big lighting cube comes or you know what i mean yeah so and it, it, you know it's it's good for beefing up things now like bands necessarily aren't as big as they used to be on tv and it, it, especially if you're doing like modern pop songs and things you need a bit of tracking otherwise it just doesn't yeah you need to, some of those program loops and things to which you play along with but you need certainly perk wise and beat wise you need those things in yeah so yeah mix really and then some some are proper old school it depends like who the artist is and what the um somebody like shirley bassey would never be on click yeah. on it on it because it's so fluid what she does and it moves about and she'll go she'll just do what she needs and all used to the conductor will follow her like so but if it's Ed Sheeran or, or um, George Ezra or one of them, then it, it probably will be on track. You know what I mean? There'll yeah. be track with it. And... That's the way it yeah. tends to kind of work. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's really interesting because I've had a few conversations on this podcast about how people find playing with Click. And I think for some people, it was a real, I think some people have really struggled to kind of do that. Particularly if you're used to playing, a, if you come from the more like jazzy angle where you've maybe, yeah. where, you know, that, you know, that world, that whole world isn't really to click, is it? You know, it's far yeah, more organic. Yeah, exactly. And to suddenly be in a yeah, world where you've got to play something, you know, exactly the same tempo, it can be. And lock yeah. in with the lock in with the click, I think. But you obviously found that quite an easy transition. I know, I've, yeah, I've literally, I've always, always enjoyed, geekily enjoyed practicing with a metronome. Even like when I was at Guildhall, like I love it. And I think you can have a bit of fun with the click. You know what I mean? It's like you work with certain drummers and. Click is just a big part of studio work. You have to be on the click. You know what I mean? It's just like everything films, everything is all clicked because otherwise you'd never, the editing process would be insane. difficult. Yeah. But um, I love it. And I think I had so many conversations with great drummers. Like I was, um, was doing a session the other day with uh, Neil Wilkinson, who's mm. an insane drummer. And Steve Pierce was on bass and Adam Goldsmith was on guitar. We were chatting about like, we were recording... Um, the Power of Love, Huey Lewis and the News right. for, for a sing, for an EP. And it was great because, like, it's all clicked, but you can have some fun with the click. It doesn't have to, it can, it can move a little bit, you know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't have to be, you can get still get a groove. But I think some people are under the misconception that if you have a click going, kills the groove. But I think you work with really good drummers now. They, they have a way of making it feel fluid without, without it being fluid, if you know yeah. what I mean, without it being like one bar of... Um, like totally 128 the grid, you know. BPM and one bar of 104 yeah. BPM, then 168 BPM, without being the sort of giddy up, slow down sort of thing. It's like great drummers, Ian Thomas, Neil Wilkinson, Yanto, all those. Uh, I mean, Ralph, they're insane. Like they'll, they'll play their feel. You won't even know there's a click there because it's just the feel is so good, but it'll be banging the pocket. You know what I mean? So I think. Yeah, don't be scared of click. It's fun. I enjoy it. And yeah, even now I'll always practice scales and stuff with a click and try and sort of play about with it, you know, move about where where you place things and how you place things. And you get you sort of find that you get quite a natural feel, but it's still on the grid, which is um not really nice. Yeah. Do you do it do you still do you still practice a lot as a thing? As, as, I imagine a huge amount of your work is getting something ready for a TV show or preparing a track, but do you ever have kind of have a point in your week or your month maybe when you sit down and you think, right, I'm really gonna work on this aspect of my piano playing? Yeah. Well I <laughs> literally because it, it's a funny thing, like you do a lot of my stuff now is writing and arranging. So I'm physically in my studio behind a keyboard every day, writing in, but 
you you sort of it came a couple of weeks ago. I was like, I haven't actually. I had a gig coming up. I was like, I haven't actually played a piano properly for about a month because I've just been writing all the time. Right. So it's all just been like, and they went on holiday. So I was like, I need to uh-huh. sit down. So I'll just sit down for an hour. I go, I go back to all the stuff I used to have at Guildhall, the scales, and I had a great classical piano teacher at Guildhall called Paul Roberts. He was amazing, and um, still got all his notes and all the hand and stuff and the Brahms exercises he gave me, which. I'm terrible at, but I still like to have a crack at them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It wakes the fingers up again and you kind of get like, oh, yeah, because or you get into the root of sort of just being here and writing. You get your writing chops and you kind of, mm. yes, I do. Yeah, I guess I need to do more of it. And, I mean, this there's more gigs coming up over the, the autumn, like there's a little touring and stuff like that. So, like, I will be doing a bit more contact time with the piano, but... The weeks go by, like if, especially if you're arranging and stuff, because you, you're up against tight deadlines. You get into things, and you just you have to live that world, and you have to do that. And I'd, I'd I would absolutely love to be able to put like a couple of hours a day aside each day to do some practice. But it's just practicalities of writing yeah, and, and all that in. sort of stuff just gets in the way. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I I notice sometimes. I think particularly when I sit down at the piano and I'm doing something, I don't know what it, you know whether it's a gig or it's a a rehearsal or I'm working something out, and I think God. I'm actually really out of shape. You know, it's funny. And yeah. you kind of know yourself yeah. when you're out of shape and it takes a little yeah. while to get back into it. And you're kind of like, whoa, I never would have, I'm, I don't feel on top of the, I guess it's a bit like going to the gym. You know, if you go to the gym and you're like, oh, I can't, you know, you're maybe not able to lift the weight you could the previous week. It's literally is a physical thing, isn't it? The piano playing an instrument is a yeah. physical thing. And you, you yeah. know, and you deep you down when you're out of shape and you're not, you're not able to yeah. do it, you know? Yeah. No, it was funny because actually one of the best shapes I was in was in lockdown because it's like we just sat down and played loads like because yeah. it was like there was very little happening gig wise so I mean it was like there was more time to just like yeah I'll just start practicing again properly you know what I mean it was like but I mean you never get the time like that anybody's at college now it's the best time to just get your shit together basically because so you're never going to have that amount of time again to no. Because you're going to hopefully be making a living, you know what I mean. Yeah. And that's that's playing what you're asked to play. Um, you know, that's just uh, that's just making a living, isn't it? Well, we love it to sit and practice all the time and get perfect the up. But I mean, we've got to balance that with the real world of yeah, yeah, mortgages yeah. and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah anybody who's listening at college, literally enjoy your time because I mean, it's a great. I remember Gilda going down the annex every morning, just sitting there like there was a free day till eight o'clock at night or whatever just being able to practice and transcribe and all this kind of shit and it was amazing and like think now christ i would love to have a few weeks of that just be able to go right i'm gonna just really really work on some tunes do get some new language all that kind of stuff yeah but it, time flies by yeah it does <laughs> particularly yeah. when you're when you're, and you're doing all the amazing things you're doing as well where you're you know you're working in the industry and doing all these things so you mentioned writing and arranging can you just kind of explain what sort of things you're arranging and and you're you're writing what kind of projects Various stuff, really. So I've just done a thing with, um, I mean, lots of things over the years, but more recently, I've just done a project with Noel Gallagher, which was really fun. Yeah, I saw that on Instagram. Um, that looked cool. That looked yeah. very cool. That was good. And there's something coming up uh, uh, with another sort of big artist that I can't mention at the minute, but I'll let you know. When it comes down. <laughs> sure. but yeah, yeah, there's a few, um, yeah, just lots of lots of different things, really. I've, I've done lots of writing for TV shows over the years, arranged for people like Shirley Bassey and things like that. Yeah, just. Yeah, whatever comes in, really. I mean, it all tends to be in the commercial commercial world. I haven't written a big band chart for ages, but I've written some, did a big band library album. I do a lot of library music, production music. Yeah. So I did a big band library album recently, which was fun to just sort of write and get all the lads in and get it all sounding 
yeah really good the team of session players in so for everyone listening could you just explain what library and production music is because this is a big part of a lot of uh, professional musicians work but i think it's again it's a slightly sort of mysterious term isn't it library production music so what exactly does that mean yes i mean all anytime you watch a tv program there's always music in the background so like um after I, when i was young when i still lived at north actually i met a great producer who's dear friend of mine a guy called bob bradley and um i used to do sessions for him when i was sort of early teens really and then we got into writing together and he he did does a lot of production music so we um yeah i started so basically what it is it's, it's music for tv long and short of it so it's it's music that's used could be used on anything could be used in a film or it could be used in an advert and um loads of tv programs like so you just you you come up with an idea and you do an album of sort of um one we're doing at the minute that's interesting but you're just doing it and we just finished it and an album with james rose oh yeah the, uh, the vocalist uh, yeah. from accent yeah 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 yes i mean james have just written one for for universal which is very sort of take sixty and all that kind of christmas music <laughs> right, okay. so the original songs that are all kind of um and james has done his awesome tracking and arranging and all that kind of stuff and got some of his friends involved so that's like a whole album of new christmas songs original christmas songs and some christmas arrangements um what else have we done recently done a 1920s one for audio network oh, okay. um yes yeah, so it's amazing it's really good fun because things like audio network and universal they've put some money behind them so they're not all old school library got a bad press i think when it used to be all programmed and a bit cheap and samey but there's a lot of new production houses like your audio network and universal and a new library called the Retro Library, which are all kind of high end. Yeah. So they all record everything at Abbey Road and all that kind of stuff. And get you get a budget to bring an orchestra in or real players for the big band one was a full big band of all the A-list session guys. So yeah, it's fun. And doing one like you can kind of come up with a brief and approach any of these things, do some demos and see where it goes. But it, I've I've always enjoyed doing it. I've done it for a long time now. And it's something I really enjoy doing and Plan to do a lot of it, really. Yeah. So I can do it out of my garden room, which is lovely. <laughs> it's one of those kind of jobs in the music industry that you can literally do a lot, so much of it from home, can't you? You know, the actual writing and the producing. Yeah. I've sort of done little bits and pieces yeah, of it. And it's, and it's, a, it's, an, it's a really interesting world, that, because you have to kind of come up with a, something to hook the whole album on, don't you, basically? You have to come up with a theme. Um, yeah, completely. Yeah, there's got to be a, a narrative that goes through everything. Like, you've got to be the same set of instruments a lot of the time on things. Like, you, you wouldn't have a library album of all different sound worlds on on an, it's like it's writing within um within a, a sort of narrow margin of you know you, you're between here and here but it's it's a good it's a good i mean i compositionally it's very interesting because it's how you make something like two or three minutes that doesn't really go anywhere but it's sort of it's still interesting you know what i mean tim garland's a master of this tim does a lot for audio network he's he's brilliant um and he told me a lot about it because I used to study composition at Guildhall with Tim. And yeah, it's it's a very there's a there's a tendency when you first start with it to write too much, you know what I mean? And then you go the other way and you don't write enough. But it's just finding that that balance between creating a little theme that could just if you're sort of scoring a thing, imagine if you're scoring a movie, you, it's a different thing because you're scoring for a whole scene, yeah. you know, where library music you want to sort of score for one particular bit like you don't because they're not you're not you're not privy to see any of the pictures you know what i mean you're just putting this stuff out there and 
some editors will go, oh, that'll fit this really well. Let's try it on this. But if it, if it goes off on a tangent, if it's like a three minute symphony, it's not going to it's not going to be as usable as as something that is very, very bland and basic. You know what I mean? So, yeah. It's about getting that happy balance, I think, isn't it? It's like everything. You've got to, you've got to strike the yeah. right balance with it and, and make sure it's got enough identity, but also that isn't distracting from the stuff on TV. Exactly, yeah, because if you've got something that's so full of melody and it's really clever and all the musicians are patting you on the back saying, oh, God, that's amazing, that's so clever, I love all that, yeah. you probably find it might sit in a library and just, yeah, because it's too clever. Like, But then there's, it, I'm not saying it has to be super simple that it's like, a kid could write it. It's, it's a, it's an art, and there's some really amazing library writers that have, I mean, just insane. Like certainly some of the old school ones as well, like the KPM lot, the Brian Bennett's and you, Alan Hawkshaw and Keith uh, Keith Mansfield. Yeah. All those old school things that we know all the themes of now. You know what I mean? They're all library tracks, like Amazing. the Grandstand and the tennis theme and Grange Hill. Yeah, theme was was a library track of It's fun. It's a, yeah, it's an interesting world. I like it, and you can do a lot of collaboration. Yeah. which I like as well. So um, you can, I'm doing one at the minute with Adam Goldsmith. I do a lot with Dave Bishop, a great He's a sax, sax player. player. Yeah, amazing. We write a lot together. Andy Wood, uh, we, we do a lot together. I like, yeah, it's just good because you can get the, go to the masters of the instruments. If we're going to do a, a saxophone album, Dave Bishop is insanely amazing at all of them and all the woodwinds. So it's like, why not collaborate? And then rather than me give him a shitty little tune I've written, mm. he, he brings the instruments over and we go, actually, this would be really nice on that. Or, can try this on that definitely i think you learn a lot about arranging that way as well because you talk to the people who actually play the instruments and certainly some of those old school session musicians that have really really been around when there was a lot of big bands on tv and all that kind of stuff you know and in the in the 70s and 80s when there was just literally tons of music and they played for everybody and you know that you learn a lot about the the sort of textures of arrangements and developing arrangements and all that kind of thing yeah that's amazing from the source yeah I know you also work as an MD with various artists. Um, sorry, I've got a bit of drilling uh, going on here. I've got scaffolding up outside my flat. So it's like, it's the perfect time in my life to start a, a podcast, <laughs> which is a, it's like amazing. I, at, at first I was like, oh, I, I just stopped talking anytime there was the drilling because I was like, oh, I can't have it, but I've just got so used to it now. Anyway. Um, yeah. The, uh, bit of ambient noise, mate. Bit of ambient noise. Yeah, absolutely. It sort of contributes to the overall atmosphere. Um, I know you also work as an MD with um with a uh, lot lots of different artists um like you work with Lee Mead and you've worked with Tony Christie recently all these kind of sort of big amazing sort of household names um it'll be great just to hear how a collaboration like that works um for something like a gig or a tour can you just talk a little bit about what it involves being an MD for an artist like that yeah of course yeah I mean the, um basically it starts with the call you know what I mean and then you get the um yeah you build up a relationship like Something like Lee Mead, I've worked with Lee since probably 2017, okay. something like that. And, um, you know, we've sort of done all these gigs and uh, records and all that kind of stuff. And it, it's sort of one of these things where they've got to be happy with me. And I, I guess as an MD, you've got to be happy doing the gig as well. Like, you know, but and you, you've got to get on as people because you do a lot of traveling together, like especially with Lee. He'll do lots of gigs abroad. He might go on a, a ship to the Caribbean for three or four days. So you've got to be kind of mates as well so yeah. lee me and lee and gonna go cassidy jansen i work with a lot yeah, great. Like, that, yeah they're mates first and foremost but then obviously as an md the role is to look after make sure you book a good band for them make sure that they're happy with any new arrangements and stuff we'll do we'll get them they'll come over here we'll routine them and we'll, we'll sort of work out the 
I mean, with Lee, certainly because he's West Endy kind of vibes, there's a lot of push and pull. So, like, we, we just get, as you sort of a time, you just develop this skill that you kind of, you, you just get that um, natural thing with each other. Like, you would playing with, I guess, anybody playing with, uh, in, in, put it in a jazz world, if you're playing with Alan Barnes and you're in Alan Barnes' band, you'll suddenly learn things Alan does that you go, oh, yeah, we're, that's, we're doing that now. Yeah. We're doing. It's the same with singers, you know what I mean? It's exactly the same thing and um, there's got to be a good good relationship and, yeah, that's it's, yeah, it's just natural, really, with, with the people and people like Tony Christie are amazing like, in the studio with, with people like that. You get the, you know, he's done everything and he's an absolute master, you know what I mean? We did um, see him in the studio. He's, he's incredible and he's just, he knows exactly what he wants and he's very grateful for what for having live musicians on tracks and things like that so yeah just i've been quite fortunate i think to work with really nice people which isn't always the case no, no it's good it's... <laughs> they're not always like that and there's several stories of people that aren't like that but i'll save that for another day <laughs> i've been very very fortunate that most of the people i've worked with in when i started i've been playing professionally since i was about 15 so most of the people I've worked with it being absolutely lovely and there's been no, yeah. No bad feelings. You tend to find good. the ones that aren't, there's a reason why they aren't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's so nice. Well, Adam, it's been so great chatting you today. It's so good to hear like the insides of what it's been, what it is to be a session musician, you know, in this world. Because I think, I think the term session musician, just that might be a really cool way to just sort of finish up. What sort of advice would you give anyone wanting to enter the kind of session world, the kind of the world you do, whether that's playing live with an artist or working in the studio? Um, what kind of advice would you give them in order to kind of get those skills together? I guess just just be open to listen. You know, try and try and get as much experience as you can of gigging or whatever. Like you know, and observe observe how that process works. Like for me, it was observing watching my dad back in different acts in the northeast clubs and all that kind of mm. stuff and. You sort of just be a sponge, basically. Like, learn, I mean, get get good at your instrument. Have a good head on your shoulders that you kind of be willing to adapt, listen to people, just and just approach people who, who are in that world and just just ask them in a nice way, you know, not in a sort of pushy way. Yeah. Just ask them, ask some advice, and people will get some lessons with. You know, if you're a guitarist, get some lessons with Adam Goldsmith or something like that, who's just does all the guitar sessions and just. Or, or Neil Wilkinson or Steve Pierce or just those people that have that are in there, you know, and even for me, I love like chatting to or people like for me, like session legends and things like that. When you meet these people, I'm just like a kid again. It's like, oh, can you tell me about that session? Can you tell me about that? So what yeah. happened on that one? What happened on this one? And like, and you tend to find people who just, and I have like mentor people. I, I always look massively to Dave Arch because mm. he's incredible and he's been really good to me and helping, helping with things and just, bits of work and all that kind of stuff and he's just you just watch somebody like that work and how they run a tv show and they're just insanely good at it so that's why he is who he is yeah. and he gets those shows because he's just so well versed in what needs to be done and he gets it done yeah and that's basically what you need to do in that world you need if you turn up at abbey road for a session you've got three hours of songs or six songs don't fuck about and be the one going, I need the time. Oh, can I, what, what does this mean? What's it? There's a certain amount of just getting shit done, I think. Mm. And that's kind of, you know, um, yeah, just approach approach the people that are doing it and just observe how they do it. Yeah. And sort of, but make fundamentally make sure that your own sort of shit is together as well in terms of you, 
you know, you keep working on things, keep working, reading, you're playing, all that kind of stuff, you know, all, that, all those things of writing, if you're into writing, get writing. Or, or, I mean, I'm still a geek for, I love arranging and stuff, but I'm still a real geek for score study and all that kind of stuff. And one of my big mentors was Jeremy Lubbock, who's right. sadly no longer with us, but I've got a load of Jeremy scores he gave me. So that, that's just a fountain yeah. of, yeah, I mean, that's just an insane amount of knowledge in looking through one of those, you know yeah. what I mean? I've got Rennie Afternoon, like today I might just pull one out and, Put the record on and just see what he did yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like never ever be able to emulate because he's genius but i mean it's just be the, always be willing to learn more i guess yeah. and just be open to learning uh learning as much as you can and it's you know and just skills in that world it's not always just about the plane it's about the plane's got to be good you've got to be level-headed you've got to get on with the team you know all that kind of stuff it's all it's all what everybody knows anyway it's all that yeah it's all that stuff yeah the the um you've got to be a nice a nice person as well that's the most important thing isn't it you've got to be Absolutely. fun to work with yeah, you know, yeah. the music's just half of it isn't it it is yeah it's a big old yeah because there's, there's so many amazing musicians now and things you kind of you know there's everybody's such a high level of yeah. playing and and skills you just got to try and find your own little way through yeah. the you know and it's there is ways through you know it's not closed nothing's closed off there's definitely ways through for everybody, even though there's lots of people coming out of colleges every year and sadly less and less gigs and things like that. But that's just, you know, there's always a route through and mm. you'll always just keep, keep to the path. I think keep, uh, keep putting things out there and keep going for it. hundred percent. That's such a lovely way to, uh, to round up. Adam, thanks so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate Brilliant, it. It's been mate. great to chat. My pleasure, mate. Great to see you. And let's, uh, let's catch up soon. Cheers, bud. Thanks so much to Adam for coming on the podcast. So great to catch up with him as always. Do go and check out all those links in the description. I'll be back next Thursday, but until then, remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and I'll see you in the next episode.